Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Talk Boxing with Simon Jordan and Spencer Oliver. It's episode 38, all those that you can't count. And I'm being asked to read something that I'm struggling with. Apparently I'm back in the hot seat where I belong. And Spencer has done a stellar job. That's the part I'm having trouble reading. What, but the, I am hot back. what the hot seat? The stellar job part. Oh, sorry. But I am back. For those that love Carl Froch, I'm sorry. He's away sunbathing his nose. Myself and Spencer <laughs> are here. Going to chew over the fact and go back, go back to chew over the fact and go back to where we started mm. from, which is looking at things through a very strident point of view. But I did have to say, I did watch you two guys while I was away, and I thought you were really good. I thought Thank you were you. really good at hosting the show, and I thought Carl is a unique perspective and mm. gives unique views, isn't he? And he doesn't yeah. care, and he's very authentic, and he says what he thinks, and he stands it up. He has great belief in himself, and I think Carl was brilliant, mm. and you both were really good together. Thank you. So I'll be happy to vacate the seat again anytime soon. It's good to have you back, Simon. Anyway, it's good to have you back. Nice to be back. Listen, um, it makes sense to segue, first, away, first of all, into the, um, the big fight on the weekend and all that went with it. Uh, obviously, Anthony Joshua versus Robert Hellenius. We know the backstory of the Dillian White situation and mm-hmm. the failed drug test, and, and again, all that went with that. I suppose we can dive straight in to the overall experience. Anthony Joshua did his job. He won the fight. Yeah. Um, and it leads on to other things. But what was your overall takeaway from the whole experience, from the week, from the debacle that was Dillian White's and the loss of the fight and the real fight that I thought was going to be fascin- fascinating mm-hmm. and massively intriguing onto the situation with a late replacement, onto Anthony's performance. Yeah, listen, I think that Anthony, he came, he saw, and he conquered. He, done, he achieved what he went out and set out to achieve. You know, he said himself, why should I, like, because the public want me to go out there and knock him out straight away and make this statement, he went out there, he was feeling his way into it. From, so my assessment of it was, I think he was controlling it well. He was showing better footwork than we've seen before. Derek James has definitely been working on that stuff. There was a, a smoother movement around what he was doing. Defensively, he was good, and he was showing good patience. Showing, and, he, and he waited for his time, and when he got... When when he, when the time come, he executed the finish perfectly. Did you think I he, think it was a, I think it was an overall solid performance, and I think what he's got from it because this was all about Anthony Joshua and reinstalling that confidence in his own mm. ability, and I think he's he's achieved that he's achieved with that, a showreel knockout, and I think that was the importance of it, Simon. It weren't about for him, Joshua. I'll oh, come on, let's get out of there because the crowd were booing, which I thought were a little bit harsh. Yeah. You know, a segment thought, of the crowd, not yeah, the entire yeah, crowd. Segment, yeah, yeah, but I thought that was a little harsh because I think what we saw was and what we needed was Anthony Joshua to go out there and do what he'd done. And I think that moving forward, 
you know, there's people still saying now, oh, I think he needs another fight be before Don Deontay Wilder. Why? You know, he's got what he wanted out of the fight. Yeah, I'm, I'm, in, the same, that, I'm in the same space yeah, as that. I, th I think it's, it's now time for him to go on. And, and you know, we live, we live, we want the f best fights of this modern era. They're very mm. important that we get that. We thought at one stage we were never going to get it. Now we've got a chance to get it with everyone. Hopefully we get Fury Usyk, Joshua Wilder, winner versus winner. And I think that now these guys have got their warm-ups out of the way. It's important. I didn't go to the fight. I made a conscious decision not to go. I had was very enthused by the Dillian White fight because mm -hmm. I felt it was a live one. I felt that there was real malice in that fight and that Anthony would be dragged into something um, that we're going to see him be dragged into at some point again yeah. in his career, which was a bit of a battle. And we were going to learn the lessons as to whether Anthony... We all know that Anthony physically is able to execute. We all yeah. know yeah. that the physicality of the man is capable of delivering outcomes that we mm -hmm. saw on Saturday. The question that people will ask consistently is the moment he's put under pressure, mm -hmm. is that mentality that people are debating there anymore that preparedness to accept going into a dark place yeah that preparedness to put himself in range to be able to let his hands go that ability to throw combinations and to put himself in a way of knocking someone out sometimes mm. means you put yourself in a way of risk and it was really interesting to mm. listen to some of the commentary commentary from you boys but also the commentary from barry jones and yeah. from andy lee um, and Tony Bellew. Tony Bellew was really skewed yeah. towards everything Anthony Joshua did, yeah. albeit contradicted himself at the very end by suggesting that Anthony Joshua shouldn't be fighting Deontay Wilder. Yeah, sure. I came away from that fight in terms of watching it, because I watched it on DAZN, um, and I was neither disappointed or elated by the performance. I thought that he did the job that I expected him to yeah. do. I expected him to knock him out. The fellow was put in there to some extent to be knocked mm -hmm. out. The comparison that he was going to have was if you don't knock him out in round one, then you're not going to be at the same level as Deontay Wilder. Sure. But Robert Hellenius didn't fight the same way I'm glad you that he fought that. Yeah. Deontay Wilder. So he peaked, you know, he sort of poked and pecked. He came out and at he Joshua kept his range. Kept when, him he range. when he boxed Deontay Wilder, he took the fight straight to Wilder. He tried to bully him, yeah. and tried he got to push him on the back foot. Because that's how Fury beat Wilder and beat yeah. him easier. But it wasn't educated in anything he'd done. He got reckless and he paid the price. And he's also not at that level sparked. either. Yeah. yeah. And I think with Joshua, he's come out and he thought he's, he's played a smart game. I thought yeah. um, Hellenius, he was pushing out the jab, keeping it arranged. And Joshua was smart into not taking the risk and thinking, right, I'll just set up my time, wait for my time, wait for the right opportunity yeah. and boom, let wait, the shot wait go. Wait for him to slow down. So I think I, I took a lot away from the Joshua performance as in I'm thinking that was, that was perfectly executed. The timing was good. You didn't take the risks. You know what you've got to do going into Deontay Wilder. You have to, you know, you have to put him on the back foot, but it's got to be educated. You've got yeah. to work everything off the jab because Wilder, there's a lot of flaws in what, what Deontay Wilder does. And he's very reckless. And if Joshua oh, holds himself... We, we're building, we've built, all of us, me included. And I do think this is a difficult fight for Anthony Joshua because I do think if Deontay Wilder hits him, he's going to knock him out. Um, and I guess I suppose it'll be like a lot of people saying it's a it's a it's a bit of a shootout. Yeah. I'm not sure if it will be that, but the bottom line is is that what I saw on Saturday was Anthony Joshua doing something that I never doubted that he could do, mm. which is execute. Yeah. Um, I think it was sensible what he did in terms of um, he waited for his time. He waited for Hellenius to start to slow mm. down mm -hmm. because the worst case scenario and people were saying it and we said it before was you let this guy into the fight. You let this guy build confidence. You let the crowd start to turn and get on Anthony Joshua's yeah. back. And all of a sudden, you've got a perfect storm of a problem for Anthony Joshua. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't. Yeah. And to me, it didn't really matter. I'm a, I've been a critic of his, but it didn't really matter to me that he knocked him out in the seventh round or yeah. he knocked him out in the first. 
Now, some will say, yeah, but Robert Hellenius, you know, he, he, it's like that old expression, isn't it, when Frank Bruno fought Tim Witherspoon, mm, I ain't going to yeah. hit you with no spoon. Yeah, Deontay yeah, Wilder yeah. is not going to be fanning about yeah, in the same way that Robert Hellenius is. So there is a difference in this situation. Yeah. But I'm in the camp with you, and I think you're, 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 you're deep in this camp. I don't see the point of any more fights. No. You know, What's the purpose of that? You, you know, if he's gained confidence, if his confidence has been regained to some extent by knocking out Hellenius, right, he still can be knocked out of him again when he goes into another fight, yeah. when he gets punched in the face. And he's going to go into a space, isn't he, which is fight or flight. When he goes in, with De- if he's fortunate enough to go in and Deontay Wilder hangs his chin out in the first round and Anthony Joshua knocks him out, then mm. job done, everybody thinks it's wonderful. Absolutely. If he gets dragged into a slightly darker place, we're going to learn and only learn in that fight whether mm. Anthony wants to fight or flight. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Anthony has to sit in the he has to sit in the pocket to some extent with Deontay Wilder. But like I say, he's got to set everything up with the jab, sort of keep that space. We know what Wilder's like, and he's reckless, and there's a lot of flaws, and he goes well. But mm. if he hits you, you're going to sleep. That is a fact, and that, that happens in heavyweight boxing. And vice but versa. I think what we saw with Hellenius with Joshua as well was that Joshua had been working on stuff, not just with his foot movement, it looked a lot smoother, but he was defensively, he was sort of catching shots. I hadn't seen that from him before. He normally just holds his hands up high, but he was sort of catching shots. He recognises that he's going to have to be in a fight with Wilder and it's going to be a shootout. But what I'm saying is, where Joshua goes straight through the middle, Wilder does everything round. So if he keeps nice and tight and comes through the middle, he's got a great chance. If he hits any heavyweight in the world, like he hit Hellenius on Saturday yeah. night, they are going to sleep yeah. back. So I'm in that camp. Look, Josh has done what he's had to do. He's reinstalled that confidence in his own ability to knock people out. But he also Let's needs, get on with he the needs and, and I took his point in the way that he meant it. There was a couple of things I thought he said in the ring that were unnecessary. Um, but the thing he talked about, leave me alone, I think is right. Because I think there's a, this poor sod sometimes doesn't know what he, what he wants to be because he's got so many people telling him what mm. he needs to be. Right? So many people saying he's had an amateur career, of a very short amateur career, he hasn't got a pedigree to know what to do when you get into big experiences and challenging moments. Or he doesn't do this, he's not a boxer, he shouldn't do this. Ultimately, he's this. And eventually, he lands in a space where he doesn't know at times whether he's Arthur or Martha. Absolutely. And he's got a load of background noise and he's got a lot of people telling him what he should and shouldn't do. And really and truly, what Anthony Joshua needs to be is true to himself. Mm-hmm. He, like, he's kind of saying, leave me alone, I'm going to do my own yeah. thing. Yeah. Right? It wasn't expressed as, as well as it could have been, but the point is, is I'm going to fight the way I want to yeah. fight, and that's the end of the discussion. Yeah. And I do think it's a very challenging landscape for him because he's been built up to this pedestal, and now he's got everybody in his ear after what happened to him with Ruiz, and then what happened to him you know, with Usyk. And, and by the way, these losses to Usyk, despite the fact that, that he shouldn't have fought the first fight the way he fought this fight, he is fighting an elite fighter. Absolutely. Right? And I, I don't think he needs to be broken down to his lowest common denominator and built back up again. Yeah. I think there was fundamentals against an elite fighter like Usyk that he's going to struggle with. Yeah. But they're not the same fundamentals that he's going to struggle with, with against Deontay Wilder. So this confidence issue that people are suggesting... The, the best way for him is to get out of this country and go and have this fight in Saudi Arabia and get on with it. Totally agree. And, you're, and we're going to know. You know, listen, I, I think that people have, too, have been too harsh on Anthony Joshua. That is a fact. It's not because I'm a Joshua fanboy or because I, because I know him on a personal level. I just think that, you know, with this guy and his legacy of what he's done and, and he's inspired millions of kids with where he come from to where he's got to. We know the whole backstory and, and, and the journey along the way. And I just think, you know, there, there should be some respect put on his name for what he's achieved and it's not over yet you know we're now at a point where if he goes out there and he flattens Deontay Wilder and I know that everyone you'll be getting messages everywhere saying Mm. that's not happening mate Mm. and all that give him a chance let's see at least he's taking the fights and creating modern eras of fights that we need because 
when Anthony Joshua's gone and it's over, like on Saturday night, that was an event. That was a massive event. Mm. The atmosphere in there was huge. And, you know, people love it. Like, and I think when he's gone, people are going to miss him from the yeah. sport of boxing. I think he's transformed boxing in, there is, in this country. There that is, is for there, sure. There is charisma in the Tyson Fury camp as well. So if Anthony Joshua yeah. disappears off the radar, there are other fighters that can but operate at the highest level. And he's yeah. a massive part of yeah. it. And no one's ever decried that or denied that. The only thing that people like me have pushed back on, because I've often believed that the yeah. hype around Anthony is bigger than the reality. Sure. And my criticism isn't of Anthony Joshua as a man because it takes an inordinate amount of courage mm. to get in a ring, fight the way he does, and to win two heavyweight titles. Sure. My criticism has always been the guys that are putting him at the level that he's at are the ones that I have a problem with because it's, it's, a, sure. it's a false representation. Anthony Joshua is a very good fighter. He's fought decent fighters. Yeah. But when you look at the body of work... There are questions about some of the fights he's had, an aging Klitschko, Brazil and Molina were mm, average fighters yeah. that weren't big, particularly yeah. good fighters. They're not, we're not living in a stellar generation sure. of, of the times in the past where we've seen Lennox Lewis, Lewis having to fight Razor Ruddock yeah, or sure. having to fight sure. other names like Hazim Rackman and so on and so mm. forth. So I, I look at it and think the, 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 the situation for Anthony now is... No more fights. Well, he, just well, get he, in with Deontay Wilder and get on with it. I think he's he's at that stage in his career as well where he says, you know what, I, I just want the big fights now. I want to cement my place, you know, in history by fighting um, Deontay Wilder, by fighting Tyson Fury, maybe doing a, a trilogy as well with Alexander Usyk. Because yeah. them fights are out there. You know, we got to remember what's he got left, probably. Three or four fights, maybe at this sort of level, Anthony Joshua. You know, they all probably have. But you I, know, so that's why we need I, these I fights just, again, sooner rather than later. D Derek James is a brilliant trainer, right? And, you know, to some extent, um, the other day, with the Crawford Spence fight, mm. he got up against another brilliant trainer who out-talked him yeah. in, in BOMAC, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, Eric James isn't the be-all and end-all, mm. but this idea that they're going to reconstruct Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, I suspect, has a strength that he needs to utilise. And I, and I worry that there's too much changing of Anthony Joshua to get him to... to what they were what adding to him they're subtracting away from somewhere else. Yeah. Anthony's strength was to put it on people. Absolutely. And that that's broadness. being and that's being taken away. And now people yeah. are saying that's because he's become wiser mm -hmm. and cleverer. And that may be right. And and, and we'll yeah. only know that when he gets in against fighters where that becomes tested. Yeah. And you, will you'll say, and maybe you're right, um, that the the way that he fought Robert Hellenius was the right way to fight him. Because Robert Hellenius was someone that you needed to be cautious with. Yeah, but I'm also willing to wager you Mm. Five years ago, before all this tinkering and fun, these challenges, Anthony Joshua would have got in that ring and knocked him out in a couple of rounds. Anthony, yeah, and the reason that may have happened was because go pre-Andy Ruiz, or maybe even pre-Klitschko, you know, Anthony Joshua fought with that rawness, but it was a little reckless. And so, you know, he, and when you pay the price for that, then they call that experience and you go, right, I've learned from that mistake. And that's what he'd done when he went out there with Hellanius and from a... Boxer's mindset, I know you go out there and he thinks, right, this kid's a bit tricky. He's long, he's tall, he's rangy. I'm not going to make any silly shots because Helena's is heavy-handed with that right hand through the middle. And he thinks, I've just got to take my time, wait for my time. And you know when the right time is. And I think that's pretty much what Joshua was saying. Listen, I know that everyone wanted this show real knockout in three rounds, but it weren't there in three rounds. And I know where I'm at and I know what I've got to do. And taking from what I need to take from it, I got the knockout I needed, and that sets me up for the, and the job done. fight. And, and the it, job yeah, done. Yeah, I mean, what did you what did you make of the performance as a whole? Was you satisfied with? I thought it was what okay. I thought it was okay. I thought the end, 
justifies the means. Yeah. I thought that, that I would have liked to have exactly. seen him close the, the gap quicker. I'd like to have seen him um, so get, his feet, get his feet in a position yeah, a little I'm, bit quicker I'm, 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 um, and let his hands go a little bit more. And, 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 and he was saying, I know he was saying, I can't find the right hand, I can't find the right hand. Mm. He found it eventually. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you why he couldn't find the right hand, sorry, because like from the opening bell, we was doing this in commentary as well. So, And this is where he was growing in confidence as the fight was going on. From the opening bell, when he started out first round and Hellenius nicked the first round, he was throwing the right hand, but sort of actually coming away from it. He had no confidence in stepping in and letting the shot go. Second round, third round, then he started holding his feet and sort of leaning forward about the fifth and reaching. But in the fifth round, he started moving his feet before he threw his shot, because you've got to move your feet into range before you land the shots. Yeah. And if you see that knockout in the seventh round, he touched downstairs and then he touched again, stepped in with a foot and boom, done yeah. it. That's all he had to do was step in with the feet. But he did, he felt that, you know, the time, it was all about the timing of it. But when you're stepping in with your shot, shows the confidence in your own ability. When mm. you're holding your feet, shows you're lacking that confidence. Yep. And I think that's what we saw through the fight. So, and that's what, he's got and that's what Derek yeah. James was urging him to do, Absolutely. wasn't he? Absolutely, step Urge, in with urging feet. Him to do. What did you think of Alanis? Did you think, what did you think of him as an opponent? I, I actually not, think I, this nonsense about him fighting a, a week earlier, it, he said it himself, you know, you spar. Yeah. I had a three round, yeah. you know, in fight a, with someone that castle, didn't lay a glove on me. Castle, right? with, with, so I think he was ready to fight. Absolutely, he was in, he was in great shape, mate. He was, in, he, was in, he was in great, I spoke to him in the hotel after actually, and he said, listen, this was about the opportunity. Yeah. And I was in great shape, no excuses. I felt that I was doing all right in the fight and Joshua caught me with a shot. Yeah. He said, and that happens. He said, if he hits you, he goes, that's it. And he said, and that's where I was at. He said, it was none, he said, I felt as good as I've ever felt. And I was like, well, fair play for you for saying that. He, he come in there, he was in shape. He looks in shape on the, on the scales. Yeah. So I was satisfied. I thought actually it was the perfect opponent for Anthony Joshua. You know, go, going into for, going into this Deontay Wilder fight, I thought this guy is perfect for you because you know it's got everything that you need there. He's going to give you the rounds that you need. You're going to get the confidence that you need, and you've got the knockout you need. So perfect. Yeah, I just want Anthony now. I think I, I spoke to to Michael Jarman over the weekend and said to him, I just want him now. In, in so far as I'm interested in, in, in getting down to the micro uh, mechanics of what he's doing. I'd like him to get all of it, all the background noise. Yeah. Because what I saw was reactions after the fight to certain things. What did you think um, about? I, I thought it was. I thought it was something that should have been said about him rather than he said himself. He talked about, "Oh, my mm. back's hurting because I'm carrying the heavyweight division." Yeah. And I think that's something that maybe Eddie Hearn could have said for him yeah, or someone else, right? Rather than Anthony saying it, because there is a matter of you know Daniel Dubois fighting mm. Alexander Usyk yeah, in yeah, two yeah, weeks' yeah, time, yeah. and I think it gives Anthony. There's no need for that observation. Do you know what it is with, with Anthony. I don't know why he does this, and I need to have a conversation with him about it because we got it out in Saudi, where he's sort of like. I think it's where his adrenaline's pumping so much, he does strange things like mm. straight after the fight, and I think that Hellenius was still down, it was a heavy knockout, he's yeah. jumped out of the ring and he's gone uh -huh. around the ring and he's gone back. I just think that he lets his emotions mm. get the better of him, and I think what it was for him there was he got what he needed from it, it was that knockout. Release the pressure. He was, he was so pumped and so hyped, he hasn't thought about what he but, was doing, and then... That bit at the end when he's saying, yeah, I feel like I'm carrying, oh, my back, my back, I'm carrying the heavyweight division. Yeah. I get it. I it's wanna, a bit tongue-in-cheek. I, I don't want to take it literally, yeah. but I would, I would have preferred that someone else said it for him because I, what I did feel, and that, and that point you make is a very good point, was that there's such a release of pressure. Mm. And some way or another, he's got to find a way to manage that pressure Absolutely. because I think it affects him. I think it changes his outlook on things. I think it might even change the way he fights because of the expectation level. It's easier said than done. I think, actually, Simon, he was... He was 
feeling. Relief, over, I think the, it was. Not, yeah, the, the, the relief. But also, like Anthony Joshua is one of those guys. He does take things to heart, and like I think he think he thinks that knockout that changed the public perception of me that I can't. But he needs not worry about that. that. Yeah, no, but he's he like that. He needs not worry about like that. that. And I think that that's what that's what he needs to leave at the door yeah. and get on with what do. do it's difficult doing. because of the, the amount of expectation upon him. You see a, a you know a show that we did on Friday from the shopping centre, and there's not many fighters. Tyson might be able to do it as well, but there's not many fighters that are going to be able to command a full shopping centre yeah, just crazy. for a weigh-in. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and that's the superstar status that he has. Mm -hmm. But I think for him, the background noise and the pressure that he feels, and because the, the, moment, the moment he landed on Hellenius, he's doing a little dance, yeah, and he's yeah. want, he wants yeah. to go out and celebrate with the audience. Yeah. Some would say, well, hang on a second, what about the guy laying on the floor? Mm. I would not... I would not criticise him for that. I would think that it ultimately he's, he's about relief yeah, and someone's got to help him manage that better mm. because the only way that Anthony Joshua is going to go past people like Deontay Wilder mm. is if he's solely focused, no background noise, fighting the fight that he wants to fight without yeah. any distractions, without anything other yeah. than the value added that he needs to beat Deontay mm. Wilder. And I'm now in the camp and I've been against this camp and I've, I'm, and I've been sort of saying, I can't see him. I can't see, I can see Deontay Wilder detonating on his chin. And then when you look at it and you pair back and you go, well, what's he done recently so wonderful? He's, listen, right? he's, he's, he's damaged goods as well. First, trust he's damaged that. goods as well. Absolutely. He's got his own challenges yeah. because he's got beat up twice by Tyson yeah. Fury and, and probably three times. in what yeah. he does as well. Yeah. And he can get knocked down because yeah. we've been seeing it get knocked down and, not, and pretty much knocked to pieces by Tyson Fury who doesn't hit as heavy I'm, as Anthony Joshua. I'm glad you said that. That's, that's exactly right. When Joshua punches, when you're at ringside, we know what Fury's like. He's sort of like, he peppers and he breaks them down and breaks them up and he's great at what he does. He's unbelievable. Yeah. He controls the distance. He's very hard to hit. But with Joshua, when he hits an opponent and you're sitting at ringside you you sort of feel the you feel the vibrations mm. of the shot he's got he's got phenomenal punch power and I think Deontay Wilder if he if he's, he got, made, he's got to get in range to throw it yeah but what yeah but Deontay Wilder will put him in range because yeah. Deontay Wilder is very explosive but he's reckless in what he does if AJ's patient he ain't really got he hasn't got to move in he can let Wilder come to him but he's got to hold his feet because my, so my, 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 sort of I'm not, not based upon Elanius and not based upon that outcome. My mindset is slightly changing. I still think if, I, if you asked me to put my last pound on who would win against Wilder, uh, Joshua, mm -hmm. I would still probably, at a push, put it on Deontay Wilder. Yeah. Um, because I think that Wilder, is, I think he's going to land on Anthony. Yeah. And if he lands, I think Anthony will go down. Um, and then I think we'll be back into a territory of all the demons coming back again. Mm. But it's not as cut and dried as it was before. No. If you'd, ask, you'd ask me, it was like, nah, done, Deontay Wilder, done, forget it. Mm. When I look at it now, I think to myself, well, let's have a look at Deontay Wilder. Right? Okay, he's locked out, knocked out a 41-year-old Luis Ortiz that was beating him up until yeah. he landed a big yeah, bomb. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, and you look at who's, who he's fought over the years, and his, his record ain't that impressive. Mm. You know, Romain Stavane, Stavane did, yeah. and he's people of that nature. They were decent, right? But not, not, not world beaters. Mm. And then you look at the fact that, with due respect to, to, to Deontay, he was beaten three times by Tyson Fury. Yeah. He was beaten in the, in the draw, and that was a Tyson Fury that had been laid off for a significant yeah, yeah. period of time. Um, he, he was beaten... In the second fight, he was beaten properly his own beaten, game. Beaten yeah, his own Fury, game. Fury and in the third game, he was beaten in a war. Absolutely, right? yeah. So he's got that psychological baggage. Absolutely. And if he gets one stuck on him mm. yeah. by Anthony Joshua, yeah. then it's he's going to be in the same That's space. He's going to be in the same space. Yeah. So I, I, think it's, I think it's actually, of all the heavyweight fights, I think it's the most intriguing. I'm with you. I genuinely think it's the most intriguing yeah. because it's a gunfight in certain Absolutely. people's minds, and it's 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 a it's a, a balance of two guys that we know that can throw the heaviest punches mm -hmm. in the division with Dubois that can he hit heavy as yeah. well, but but someone is going to get knocked out relatively I, I, quickly. Listen, I'm with you at, at, from a, from a fan's point of view. To, um, 
sorry, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua is far more explosive than, 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 than Fury, Usyk. Fury Usyk, which is going to be a technical yeah. match. That's for the purists. That's for the purists, and that's to find out who's the undisputed. Well, this, is all, this, is all assuming, this is all assuming. This is all assuming. All assuming. All assuming. All assuming. Come on, we want to see that fight now. This is all assuming, yeah. And, and we're going to see that fight. I'm pretty sure we're going to January. see that fight. But I'm pretty sure we are. Yeah. Right? But that's all assuming the Usyk component part is not... Is, Frank Warren will have us believe emphatically yeah. that Daniel Dubois is going to do a number. He's a live way, though, Daniel Dubois. He's a live way. You yeah. know, forget, you know, what happened. Well, he's going to do, and we're not going to discuss it too much because we'll do, we'll do yeah. that after the fight, I suspect. Yeah. But he's going to do to Usyk or try and do to Usyk what... what, what what um, Anthony should have done in the first fight. Absolutely. I, listen, I spoke to Don Charles, who's training um, Daniel Dubois, and they've been out in Spain. They're up in altitude. The sparring he's had out there is incredible. The people that he's got out there sparring, Don says to me, listen, we know what we've got to do. We know exactly what it is. And if he can implement what we've been working on in that ring, he's got a real if chance. He, get, he has got a chance. He's a young heavyweight. He you know? Daniel Dubois, if Daniel Dubois hits him, steps in and hits him, and lands. Yeah. Usyk's not been hit that way. No, he's heavy-handed. Mate. He's heavy-handed. He's, he's, he's had Derek maul him. Yeah. He's had Anthony Joshua fight amongst himself rather yeah. than the fight that was in front of him. And if Dubois sticks it on him, there's a distinct yeah. possibility Usyk could find himself well, in trouble. Dubois has to stick it on him. That's the point. Because if Usyk gets yeah. into a river, we've seen what happens. But fascinating. it's a good fight. Yeah, fascinating and we're fight. out there covering it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Last week in the studio, we had Eddie Hearn come in again. Yeah. And as it often does, it descends into a very strong difference of opinions. And people that have their views on Eddie and me tend to alight upon who they like best, right? Yeah. So the Eddie Hearn people that believe that Eddie Hearn is a second coming will say that Eddie taught this idiot a lesson and mm -hmm. doesn't know what he's talking about. And people that don't like Eddie Hearn will say, well, Simon made some very significant points. But I do feel that without being obsessed by expense, there's a lot of stuff that gets said in, this in these discussions and a lot of it gets missed. And I just mm -hmm. want to land a few points, not because yeah. Eddie's not sat here and can't defend himself, but I want to land a few points where people can percolate over it and work out for themselves what they think the reality of the situation is. The first scenario is, is that the two debates, whatever you want to call them, I'd call them bun fights, quite frankly, where Eddie's come into the studio at TalkSport. Entertainment, man. Well, they are. It's entertainment. I'm, you know? I'm sure they are for Absolutely. the public. For, you know, for me, there were two interviews that I didn't ask for. Eddie mm. and DAZN wanted mm -hmm. to come in the studio and wanted to be able to have a debate. And Eddie comes in swaggering about the big numbers that they get, which is mm. great because he does, mm -hmm. because he's a showman. But it was also this... <laughs> Eddie, is, Eddie is brilliant, a master 
at taking you away from the subject matter mm -hmm. and involving you in minutiae and incidentals. Yeah. And the discussion that we had last week was about the situation with Joshua and the white fight yeah. and the cancellation of it. And Eddie latched upon a point where I had asked Robert Smith, which, by the way, I can ask who I want, what I want, yeah, when yeah, I want, sure. and no one's betraying any particular confidences. Yeah. It's called, uh, that, that is called journalism, though. You, well, you're doing your research into well, what the, what the, what I, the I actual facts are. I bristle at the notion are. that I'm a journalist. but uh, I, No, I, no, I, but I'm, I'm saying if we work in the media, you want, we yeah, make phone calls to get... To get facts, but, we but, do that. But also, by the same token, we've got form here. Robert Smith's been on interviews talking about how the British Boxing Board of Control are going to run things properly. When a drugs test is failed, you'd expect the British Boxing Board of Control to be on the front foot. Yeah. And so when I'd asked Robert about when did you cancel the fight, he said the moment we heard it, the moment we heard it from Eddie Hearn. Now, for some reason or other, best known to me, in the conversation when I was talking to Eddie about their behaviour, my point was, the moment you and the British Boxing Board of Control knew about the fight... Yeah. You cancelled it. Yeah. So, well done you. Yeah. But for some reason or other, I said Saturday rather than Friday, Eddie jumps upon it and says, well, you hang said on Friday a second. rather than Saturday. Yeah, so, yeah. I, said, I said you knew about it Friday and cancelled it on Friday. Eddie's assumption for the purpose of the conversation was, I said Friday and you only cancelled it to Saturday, so what was the delay? That wasn't the point yeah. I was making. Yeah, yeah. And then they got lost in this, you talk about facts and you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know the level of this and you don't know the level of that. And to be fair, in comparison to Eddie Hearn and to Frank Smith, mm -hmm. I know a fragment of what they know mm -hmm. because they've been doing this forever and a day. Sure. And um, um, what my objective is, and Eddie talks about agendas and stitch-ups and yeah. ideals about bringing him to task without the same energy that's for Frank Warren and Ben mm -hmm. Shalom. And, it's, and, and, and again, I make the point, when Eddie comes in a studio, he is a, a, a brilliant exponent of not paying or allowing the audience to pay attention to the real facts mm -hmm. by, 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 by taking you off in a direction about incidentals. The issue of when the fight was cancelled mm -hmm. is kind of incidental. It doesn't really matter. The, the, the methodology behind it was to say, the reasons why I'm bringing this up, Eddie, is because a year ago with Conor Ben, and I know it's not very important because it's a year ago and it's going back into the past, but the reasons why it is important is because it's part of the present now. Yeah. Because we're discussing Connor Ben and the fact that he has been, according to you and to Connor, been cleared. And and I find that a difficult circle to square. Well, it's not a fact. That's not well, a fact. It's, it's not a fact. But the, po the point is, is that the discussion needs to be had properly. Yeah. So when we're having this conversation with Eddie about you cancelled the fight, well done. It wasn't Friday, it was Saturday. You're off on a different tangent. You don't know what you're talking about. And all of this personal stuff that's gone on between myself and Eddie, yeah. I, I genuinely, for the, for the purpose of this discussion and for whoever's interested, I don't dislike Eddie Hearn. Yeah. I admire him. Mm -hmm. I think as a promoter, he is very good at what he does. But that doesn't mean that when he does things that are not good for the boxing business, mm -hmm. that he should be, shouldn't be uh, beyond it, yeah. reproach. Yeah. He shouldn't be put in a situation where he's held to account. Of course, in order to do that, Eddie's not going to sit there and allow you to do it. He's not going to sit there and say, I welcome you into my world where I'm going to be criticised and perhaps held to account. So what he'll do is he'll bait and switch. And those that think Eddie is wonderful go, oh, Eddie Hearn, he schooled that idiot Simon Jordan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those that think Simon Jordan has got something to say of any relevance, they'll have a different view. But all the personal stuff started, if you remember, mm -hmm. a year ago when I said to Eddie it was cowardly for you to avoid the press conference. Yeah. That then turned into a litany of observations from Eddie and from Frank Smith about my finances, 
about where they met me, what mm-hmm. the colour of my hair was, yeah, yeah. what they knew about boxing, how I'd lost the football club. All that, none of that don't was relevant. Don't forget the earring, don't forget yeah, the earring. Yeah, the earring. None of that was relevant. And the reason why I'm labouring this point is because for you, for you boxing fans that are watching this, the key component is pay attention to the detail. Not pay attention to my version of it. The details are very simple. When we had an argument a year ago, Eddie and I talked about the British Boxing Board of Control having jurisdiction over whichever legitimate yeah. Uh, laboratory. Yeah. Eddie said that rule didn't exist. Whether that was UK or Vada. Yeah, it was Rule 315. Yeah. It did exist. And then Eddie said that rule wasn't in place. It was only put onto the statute books in September of last year. But everybody in the fight game knows that the British Boxing Board of Control introduced it in February 22. Yeah. They didn't write it in the books until September, but everyone was operating with that principle sure. that the British Boxing Board of Control could advocate for any legitimate testing agency. So when people say they don't know what they're talking about, that was the first fact. Then we move on into the territory of what's happened recently with Conor Bem mm-hmm. and the behaviour that I think Eddie needs to be accountable for. Now we've got a situation where the... The British Boxing Border Control and UCAD have gone into a hearing, sat there and listened to Conor Ben's lawyers mm-hmm. argue that the jurisdiction of this test doesn't belong to UCAD. It belongs to the Clean Boxing Programme. It's been through the Clean Boxing Programme's yeah. uh, um, disciplinary process and being cleared. That argument is a reasonable argument. It's similar to it's a similar sort of argument that Johnny Cochran ran on behalf of O.J. Simpson, which is getting off on a technicality, mm-hmm. and to some extent, without comparing the, 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 the nature of a very heinous crime yeah. to this particular instance, you've got a lawyer that's achieved the same outcome, Absolutely. which is, don't look here, look here. Mm-hmm. So now you've got Connor, who is under, out from underneath the three uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the suspension that you could have put. So they've lifted the suspension. With Eddie and Connor saying... He's been cleared. By my reckoning, if he hasn't gone through strict liability, because I asked Eddie pointedly, Mm. do you believe in strict liability? Yes, I do. So if you believe in strict liability, then you can't suggest that Conor Ben's been cleared because all that's happened is Conor Ben has managed to overcome in this hearing Mm -hmm. a jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. The British Boxing Board of Control have got to step in. And my argument is is that the British Boxing Board of Control have got to be all-powerful, They've got to be determining the sport's destiny because right now you have a, an existential problem. Mm. You have a fighter yeah. that's circumvented the system. That, so they're not fit for jurisdiction. They're, they're not fit for purpose. And my observation would be to Robert Smith, this is a hill that you have to die on because the British Boxing Board of Control has to exhibit control over, over mm. such a significant yeah. thing like failed drugs test. Mm-hmm. And so the question and the debate with Eddie was more about that. And the reasons why I'm going for this soliloquy is forget about the background noises of how much money I may have lost in football and how much more Eddie Hearn knows about boxing than I know and how much um, we have a debate about which day the Anthony Joshua fight was stopped on because there's no problem with that. Neither one of us have a real issue around that. The real issue is what is right for the sport of boxing. Yeah. I don't want Eddie Hearn booted out of boxing. I don't mm. want Eddie Hearn to not be successful. I don't care either which way. Eddie's like, you know, you want me stitched up. You'd love it to see me booted out. No, I would like people, if it's Frank Warren, if it's Ben Shalom, if it were <coughs> Callie Sowland, if it were Bob Arum, and in this instance, Eddie Hearn, anybody that ultimately brings the sport of boxing into a very difficult place sure. should have to answer those questions. When a fighter's been suspended currently in bad standing, mm. trying to get other fighters 
to fight him in the Middle East, yeah. putting their boxing licenses at risk whilst calling the British Boxing Board of Control idiots and mm. generally undermining the whole system. Sure. That can't be good, whether it's Eddie, whether it's Frank, whether it's Ben, whether it's Callie, or whoever else, whether it's Mick Hennessy, whoever it is. Yeah. Right? Anyone behaving in that fashion, <coughs> it needs to be zeroed in on. If people aren't bothered, if nobody cares and everybody's happy with the Conor Ben situation and everybody's happy with Eddie's behaviour and everybody thinks it's okay, I've made my point, mm. I've said my view, I, I don't think it's right. Yeah. I do think there needs to be a look at it. I do think the British Boxing Board of Control should be really, really strong and be really focused and really try to run this sport properly. Sure. But if nobody else cares... Well, I, th I think they do. That's that's the point of it. You know, I think that with, you know when you're talking about lives at risk and we want a clean and level playing field, you know, this sort of stuff needs to be ironed out. It needs to be sorted out. And like you say, you know, whether it's the British Boxing Board of Control, UCAD or VADA, you know, if the, if they have no jurisdiction, then they they're not fit for purpose, but, and they but, have to. You you know, this is a perfect time for a changing of the times, and I think that's what's needed, Simon. And I think that's, take, what, that's what's take, come to light out of this drug, drug testing sport, whether it's Conor Ben or anyone else is a serious, a significant thing. And it does need to be operated seriously. Yeah, absolutely. And if the British Boxing Board of Control have got rules and they're getting, they're getting circumnavigated, mm -hmm. then the British Boxing Board of Control needs to do something about it yeah. or they need to be disbanded. Yeah. The purpose of, of what we've done, I think we, we sort of achieved something. But the most important thing, Spence. As in saying, you know, something needs to be done. And I think that it created a lot of interest and a lot of eyeballs were on it. And things that seem to have changed, things that seem and to be And the reason on. why I spoke to Robert Smith is, as you will recall, Robert Smith sat on this show, I think it was in March time, and said that they were going to take control of this particular situation yeah. and that there was going to be a real... Um, uh, set of reactions to the observations that were made to Conor Ben's behaviour, not mm -hmm. standing in front of UCAD, to Conor Ben wanting to be licensed again, was going to have yeah. to require to go through the processes. So when the next drugs test is failed by a fighter, it's logical. I'm going to ask Robert Smith mm -hmm. and remind him of what he said about the Conor Ben situation. Sure. At the same time as asked, you know, what was going on with the Joshua fight. Mm -hmm. So if nothing else, if nothing else, what I hope to achieve and what we should want to achieve is a proper functioning, high-end, empowered, properly financed British Boxing Board of Control that has the courage of its convictions to yeah. be able to administer its own rules. That's it. Anyway, moving on back to the fight card on Saturday night um, and moving on to the um, maybe the last swan song of an old warrior. I don't know what you think. Derek Jazor, well, aka you, I'm, Five I'm Guys. I'm glad you brought this into the conversation. Five actually. Guys guy. Great entertainer. Listen, he's been an unbelievable ambassador for boxing. Did you think, think he won a, on Saturday night? He's a great entertainer. I thought that it was a very close fight oh, and right. it could have, could have easily gone the other way. I think, I don't know if I had him around down. I, I, know, I know it was very close. I had it by, he, if, you, if he won by a round, if it was a draw or he lost by a round, fair enough. What was that judge doing? Eight rounds in favour of... Oh, that was my uh, point. Derek Chisora. I mean, that was absolutely crazy. But what I witnessed on Saturday night was... A guy that looks at all of his 39 years of age. Yeah. You know, he's been around a long time. He's had 47 fights now. You know, 13 of those, 13 of those are losses. But you look for his record. You look for his resume. You know, he's fought the who's who. He's boxed everybody. His resume is better than anybody's. Yeah. And every one of them lost on a unanimous decision. Yeah. Lost on a, a split decision. Like every one of them has been a real tough fight. I think in his last six, he's won two, and that was Pulev, which was. An but he didn't. He didn't lose on anything that was vaguely resembling a close fight against Tyson Fury. No, no. But, it, but what I'm saying is. It was, yeah, the Tyson Fury was, but they're, they're all like sort of, they're tough fights. And mm. Like the Fury one was a one-sided beatdown, yeah. I get that. But what I'm saying is, 
even the fights with like the first few, and he, he lost by David Hay. Yeah, and da yeah, David Hay was a knockout. But yeah, but the, the fights that he has over the twelve rounds, like Dillian White's fights that he's had over twelve mm -hmm. rounds. I mean, they are grueling, tough fights. And what we witnessed on Saturday night was a guy that looked like he was walking through treacle. The jab was slow, the right hand, but what we saw was that heart of a warrior and that yeah. determination to be able to turn it around. Washington, for me, was winning the fight and winning it comfortably in the end. Mm. Derek clawed his way back in there. You know, Washington had these little moments of that, but what we witnessed was, I go, come on, Del Boy, that's another hard fight, yeah. man. He's in control of his own destiny. He says he wants to get to 50. He wants another three fights. If he turned it in tomorrow, I know Derek, since he was a 16-year-old kid, I'd go, I'm happy for you, but listen, I'm not going to stop you doing what you want to do. He feels like there's still a fight left in him. He's going to continue, and we're going to see more war disorder fights. But what do you think I, about the audience? At, at times, I, mean, I was uncomfortable. What do you think, what what do you think about Simon? the audience's demand for it? Because it, this, this relationship has developed with Derek over the years. Initially, it was the relationship wasn't there, and they didn't much like him. And over the years, mm. he's developed this relationship where now he's a national treasure to they some love extent. Him. Right? They love him, and he's now a hero in people's minds. Um, and because you know, when you go to a Derek yeah. Chisora fight, you're going to see a fight. Now, yeah. he and I have locked horns where I've turned around and said that I didn't yeah. want to see the third white Chisora fight because I've seen it before and I want to see bigger and better mm. fights. And every time he steps up, he got beat by world title holders. But that doesn't mean that Derek Chisora isn't a valuable uh, asset to Eight. the boxing community. But I, I do think we're now at a point mm. where... I mean, he'll be delighted that he got the nod because he constantly talks about the unfairness yeah, yeah, yeah. of fights where he yeah. thinks he's That's won one fights and gone the other way. way. This one's definitely gone his way. way. But yeah. I mean, the, the, the quantum of money that he would have got for that fight wouldn't have been enormous because the whole fight's been you scaled. You know the situation with that fight, don't you? And with who paid for that fight? Prince Khalid, yeah. yeah, Prince Khalid. Yeah, yeah. So, and so I was like, where's this come and from? Derek being so a slippery, slippery little scrub. Yeah, he's got his relationship with Prince Khalid, isn't he? He's doing work out there with the Saudis and skills challenge and whatnot. He wants to continue. It's a fair play to listen. The very casual. He looked great. I mean, physically on the scales, he looked great. He did, but the casual fan is going to go, oh, Derek Chisora's on great. It's a mm. massive selling point because he has become a national treasure. He's great entertainment in the yeah. build-ups. He's yeah, great he's in value. the press conferences. Never know what he's going to say. You never know what he's going to say, right. but that's the, the world we live in. People yeah. like that. They enjoy that. You and know, he's like a good he's, soul, he's, he's isn't a, he? He's a good man. By the way. He's a misunderstood guy. By the way, Derek, you know where I live, do you? If you do, you can bring that bleeding money around that you owe me, <laughs> along with some five guys from oh, your new restaurant. I just, I just, that's just reminding me, actually, that when we've done... Um, we done a bit on Talk Sport in the week. I think it was on, was it on? Oh no, on the Thursday, you wasn't there, it was at the press conference. Mm -hmm. I interviewed him. Right. That was his first question out of my mouth. I don't know if you've seen that. You probably don't watch my interviews back then. I try not to, no. What do you mean? I, I, I tend to watch them when I'm travel, travel <laughs> yeah. sleeping or something. I watch it if Carl's there. Yeah, yeah. oh, here we go. Yeah, your new best mate. So yeah, we've done the interview and the first thing he came out of his mouth was Simon Jordan. I hope you're well, well mate. Listen, oh, I'm, yeah, That's very nice of him. Get well. So yeah, really yeah. nice guy. He's good. I think you've, yeah, you've got this... Yeah, you've sort of um, you've built a relationship I'm together Derek. now. I'm and Derek's Derek. the same. Look, yeah. Derek's just one of those guys that fights with his heart on his sleeve. He he said to me like he'll say, "Was you entertained? Was you entertained with that fight on Saturday?" And you go, "Yeah, it was good." It, like how you pulled that back and, and the balls that yeah. you showed to pull it back, you know, and the way that you done that. Credit to you, mate. Yeah, it was good, entertaining. He went, well, there's your answer. Mm. I'll be fighting again. So yeah. he's he's got a valid point. He's, he's you know a, he's a, got a, lot a, point. a lot of people suggest that there's coming to a point now where he's putting his health at risk. But I guess. The only person that can make that decision is Derek. Absolutely. And if Derek wants to go on and put himself in the way of jeopardy, I guess it's his gift to do so. Yeah. I, I hope he knows what he's doing. I think he's made a very good living out of boxing. That's why I'd love to see him. If, if he yeah. said to me, Spence, I'm done today, yeah. 
I'd go, do you know what? What, well a, what a career you've had. Career. Incredible yeah. career. British European, uh, British Commonwealth European champion, box for the world title. What more do you want? You box everybody and anybody. What, what is the purpose now? Mm. You've got enough money in the bank. You know, it's just one of those. But I guess it's also something else as well, because once the lights get turned out, they're turned out, aren't they? You don't, you don't like buying a cup of tea, by the way. don't like buying anything. A bit squeaky, it's a bit yeah. like Cole Froch. Your mate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard yeah. that about Carl. Yeah. Well, Carl's over in my bear now, swanning around in my neck of the woods, giving it big and <laughs> not playing paddle tennis, Carl, I bet. He FaceTimed me on Thursday, actually. Did he? Yeah. He looked like he was having a great time. Nice places. But he keeps going on about wanting to play me at paddle tennis. And then he oh, he talked about it the other day. Yeah, but he doesn't ever turn up. And I said to him also, I'll tell you what I'll do, Carl, is I've got a bunch of mates out in my bear um, who'll play paddle. And if you want to get in that gang, not a dicky bird with him. Really? Because like, he can't play. I don't think he He couldn't let cows ask for a banjo. I'll think, he yeah. talks about the idea of wanting to play paddle and he tells me that he was a super middleweight champion of the world, which we all know. Yeah. And we all know what goes 80, with 000, that. 80,000, don't forget and that. 80,000 yeah, people yeah. and that he is the best thing since sliced bread and everyone should listen to him. And we all do and we all pay attention but to it, but the paddle tennis court is not for you, Carl. Gone. His it's bottle's gone. gone. Yeah. That's it for episode 38 of Talk Boxing with Simon Jordan Spencer Oliver. Don't forget to keep liking and subscribing to the channel. Keep leaving your brilliant questions in the comment section below and we'll see you next time out. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.